Today's reading is from 1 Peter chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. We'll be reading from the New International Version. Please follow along as the text is presented on the screens above. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I want to give a couple of invitations here as we get started. The first invitation is what Sharon said about the journey, which is a discipleship journey, and there's many here who have done it, and I did it myself for the first time last year, and I I let it, kind of kept one step ahead of the crowd, and it's so good. So Tuesday night, um, it's, uh, it's worth checking out. 6.30 6.30 information. Secondly, uh, I want to show that, oh, next week, I want to, this is an invitation. We're going to be talking about uh, the LGBT hospitality, how we can grow in that area and cover some things that have been kind of in our atmosphere. And hopefully, would you pray for me? I invite you to pray for me in that one. It's uh, a big one. And um, so invitation to that. And then uh, I want to go ahead and put a, that video clip up there, that three-minute video clip. Evan, can you do that for us? Picture this. It's Friday night. You decide to go out to a restaurant because of a Yelp review you saw. When you get to the restaurant, there's no parking spaces. It takes you 10 minutes to find parking. When you walk inside, no one is at the host stand to tell you what to do or where to go. Several people walk by who work there, but they don't say a thing. Finally, you get seated, you eat the food, and it's somewhat decent. But the problem is the waiter or the waitress hasn't said a word to you all night. They drop off a check, and they said, I'll take care of that when you're ready. Would you come back to this restaurant? Do you feel like it's a welcoming place? I think we're honest, that's many people's experience with the church. They find us online, they maybe come visit on a Sunday morning without really being greeted. They enter into service without having too much interaction with anybody. And they go throughout the entire morning really not being welcomed or feeling welcome. So they leave with this question, do I want to come back to this place? And this last year, we've made some big renovations to our space. We have a brand new playground, brand new worship area. We've even changed some things that relate to how we do things before and after service. However, those things are not enough to make people feel welcome. What needs to change is us. And this is how we're going to do it. This year, we're going to place an emphasis on improving our culture of hospitality here at Pine Lake Covenant Church. These three phrases come from Wayne Baxter and was actually brought to our attention by Schumann, one of our leadership team members. This is how we're going to improve our hospitality. You're going to hear this mantra over and over again. One, an alone person in our gathering is an emergency. Two, friends can wait. Three, introduce a newcomer to someone else. Number one, an alone person in our gathering is an emergency. If you see somebody sitting by themselves or standing off to the side by themselves, go up and say hi to them. 
It's a simple gesture that can go a long way. Number two, friends can wait. If it comes down to talking to someone we know versus someone we don't know, let's prioritize talking to the person we don't know and making sure that they feel welcome first. Number three, introduce a newcomer to someone else. Don't just say hello, take the next step. It's super easy to make that connection and that can go a long way. We believe that God welcomes each person with His incredible love and grace. And it's our responsibility as His hands and feet to do exactly the same thing. One, an alone person in our gathering is an emergency. Two, friends can wait. Three, introduce a newcomer to someone else. Let's welcome every person that comes to our doors with the heart and welcome of God. Let's do it together. Okay, so here's the invitation is that in the encore in the gym afterwards, I think Sharon's going to be at a table there. And if you're interested in being part of uh, up in the game here, and those, those three phrases capture a lot of it, um, just go and um, see that table and there'll be a sign-up sheet there and we'll figure it out from there. All right, uh, Seattle Freeze, let's go back to that. Uh, th- these are three things that I've heard um, and... Let's see here. There we go. It's very real. You, you'll hear that. You'll also hear that it's a myth. And it's usually, I've noticed this about the people who say it's a myth. These are people who have been here a long time and they have their friends and they don't need anymore. I mean, it's kind of that attitude. And uh, they've forgotten what it was like. It, it put it in the scripture terms. They forgot what it was like to be in Egypt and um, to remember how it felt to be a stranger in a strange land. And then the third one is the one, and um, Jason emphasized this last week. We had him up here, but it's real, but it really depends on you and someone else. So it depends on you. In other words, you have to be the, maybe the first one to say hi or the first one to smile. Is that really hard? Come on, smile at me. I'm smiling. Smile back at least. But uh, it does depend on you. You can't just expect to be passive in this whole thing and expect everybody else to be friendly to you. And of course, if the other person is hospitable, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. So um, I want to ask Larry and uh, the Larsons, are they here? Oh, right there! Okay, this is your moment. And they did, I, I picked up on this, they had a block party a few weeks ago. Okay, Priscilla. Oh, sorry, I can't stand on those, they're too short. <laughs> Hey, yeah, you know, eight years ago we moved to our new house, new area in Glenwood. And almost immediately we began to get to know the people right around us, but that's where it stood. And for eight years I kept thinking, what can we do? How can we do this? And then last year, two other of my neighbors and I were discussing and we decided to start a block party. So we offered our backyard and um, we made an invitation, and the three of us walked around to the 68 homes in our development, wow. inviting everybody to come. We had about 40 people that came. We had a, a lot of interest. You want to say anything about that? <laughs> this is Larry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people came, and they, they just really enjoyed it. They stayed until we had it in the, uh, oh, started about 5 o'clock, I guess, and uh, it lasted until it got dark. This year it lasted until the rain came. 
but uh, it, it was just enjoyable to get to meet people in our street, I guess you'd say, that we really didn't know. Yeah. So to th this year, when we went around, we met some really interesting people, one of them being a family from Bulgaria that oh. has just moved to the area. And one of the things when, it, when you mentioned two weeks ago about was it real or was it a myth, I wanted to say it's a myth because of what she said. Yeah. Can I tell? Go ahead. <laughs> so the gal, we met her at the door, and she was so excited to meet somebody there. And then she said, you know, of all the places we have lived, this is the most friendly that we have ever felt with the people around us. So they in, we'll see what happens. The Seattle Thaw, they're going to call it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Priscilla and Larry. Thank you for doing that. Um, but it does take somebody. It takes initiative. It takes effort. And uh, Okay, so I want to get you a quote up here from Henry Nouwen. And I, it's 1975, so you have to ask yourself if this is more true today or not. But our society seems to be increasingly hard and full of fearful defensive, aggressive people anxiously clinging to their, or their property and inclined to look at their surrounding world with suspicion, always expecting an enemy to suddenly appear, intrude, or do harm. doesn't sound like a very hospitable world, does it? And that was, um, how many years ago is that, anyway? This, when I was young, whatever. But uh, it is, this is why we're, we're focusing on this, and this, this word, hospitality, is such a key word in the New Testament. Um, we want to make the world safe for humans. Just put it really simply. Safe for humans. That's a, isn't that a good thing? Whoever they are, we ought to be able to do that with God's love. And to be human... When you practice hospitality, this is where we're going today, you will become more human, and so will the person that you uh, practice hospitality with. It, it humanizes us on both ends of the thing. That's, where, uh, that's the main point here, and I want to explore that. We're going to do that by looking first at the text. I know you guys know this. I, I always want to get grounded in the biblical text. To not do that... I, I shouldn't be, I, that's called malpractice, okay? At least that's how I would look at it, malpractice. And then um, hospitality without grumbling is going to be the key phrase that we're going to ask, what's the meaning of that for us? And then we're going to use that word again, hospitality, bring it back to God. So let's look at the text. And um, verse 7, it says that the end of all things is near, you know? And now can you imagine somebody on the street corner? Yeah, and, uh, but this is, this is real for Peter who wrote this. Now remember, Peter was really close to Jesus and he could just about taste the end of you know, the ages coming. The Christ event had happened and he had experienced it in, in amazing ways and he uh, was living into the inbreaking of the kingdom. So he says when you, when you have the shadow of the future and it's a good shadow, a shadow of hope over you. You live differently. So that's the, the opening phrase, verse 7. Then he says, love each other deeply. The word there is agape. And then he says this. We don't have to, we're going to focus in on that one, but I want to get, make sure you get this context. Love each other deeply, for love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. And that is a... Uh, you know, what does that mean? Love covers a multitude of sins. Here's the best explanation I have, is that we are messy people. And when you're around other people, 
They're messy. And you're going to have to forgive them. You're going to have to cover their sins with your love. Uh, if you remember last week, I had my, my best friend from way back, Paul, uh, with me. He came up here and he shared a few things. And Paul is one of the messiest people I, I know. Uh, they, when, when they were first, he and Kathy were first married, they had, they had this new furniture and she had sheets over it. And I always thought, what's the deal with the sheets? And she was trying to protect the furniture from Paul, is what it was. <laughs> I realize that now because I went fishing with him this week and he fell in the mud. I mean, we're talking mud, industrial grade mud. And he, he fell, and then uh, without washing off or anything, he just sat in my car. <laughs> you want to be hospitable to me, you will come and help me clean up my car. Uh, but that's, that's Paul. But I, I love him, and I, my love covers that dirt, covers whatever that mess is. And that's what it means. We do it as parents, we do it as friends. Um, hey, the one thing I forgot to say, I, I'm, I'm not being good here. Can I, can I go back for a sec? The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded or sober or alert. Uh, and the, the reason for that is so that you can pray. In other words, if you're, if you're not clear-minded, sober, alert, you won't be able to pray well. And I, I wanted to get that in there. Because I realized I forgot it here. Uh, and that's before the, the love deeply part. I'm going to use that a little later. So that, there you go. So we got, we got the end is near. Uh, get your mind clear so you can pray. If your mind's not clear, you're not going to be able to pray well. And then love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And then we get to this hospitality verse. Be hospitable or offer hospitality without grumbling. And there's three possibilities here that scholars will say, well, who, who do I offer hospitality to? And the, the most obvious one for Peter would have been, I mentioned this earlier, but there, this is first century in the like Turkey area of what was called Asia at that time. And they, uh, Peter was writing to these people who were under persecution. The Christian faith was new and expanding, but it was, it was uh, being not well received by the culture at large. And, but people were being won to Christ. It was, a real, it was kind of a battlefield thing. And you had these traveling evangelists or pastors going around, and they were spreading the news of God's love for the world. And they needed a place to stay because the hospital or the there was no hospitality industry, at least not one of good repute. The inns were places where bad things happened. And so you, what Peter is saying is when, they come, when somebody like this comes to your village, when a Christian leader comes to your town, welcome them into your homes. And then in the, in the first century around 100, we have a document, not from the Bible, but another source called the Didache. And it says that you could tell there was some abuse going on, that there were some false teachers or whatever, going around just taking advantage of people's hospitality. So it, it says that, make sure that the, uh, the instruction was to make sure that they don't stay in your home more than three days. So there's a limit to that hospitality that's very practical because of the abuse. And if you have family members coming to town, you're not sure you want them to stay more than three days, you can tell them that I said this is, you know, there's this thing here, goes way back in Christian history, you can stay for three nights, but then you're out, you know, okay. Take that as humor, but um, that's, part of, that's part of history. Some of you got it, yeah. And um, Peter then is also writing to a group of Christians who are under pressure from the state, Rome, 
and from their culture, social and economically. And he's saying to them, as you meet in your homes and as you share your messy lives together, cover your sins with love by showing hospitality to each other because it's hard to do life together. And we know that. So there's that application. The third application, and this is more general that scholars will say, is that Peter is saying, in general, be hospitable to everyone, including your enemies. Bless those who curse you. This is how the world was won over. Blessing people who were the enemy. We're going to come back to that word, enemies. But um, that's, those are the three applications for who we are to be hospitable to. So hospitality without grumbling, what does it mean to us? We're, this word hospitality in the Greek, it's really, you know, I don't do this a lot, but the Greek word is, is philozenia. Xenia is the strange person or the immigrant. So that really has application for today. And philo is the word, the Greek word for the kind of love you would show to a brother or a sister. It's family love. Filial love. So philo, and we get the word Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. So you've heard all of that before. You put these two words together and you get love the stranger or the immigrant in the same way that you love your brother or your sister. That's a, high, that's a hard thing to do. Somebody that you've never met before, perhaps, you're going to love them in the same way that you love your brother and sister. I love uh, this definition of that, the word philosenia. This word depicts that moment when you go outside your normal circle of friends and relationships to do something extra special for someone you do not know. Just let that, that's a really good um, way of saying it. How hard is that to do? For some of us, it's easier than others. We're wired differently. But in general, it's not, it's not the easiest thing to do all the time. And I can hear some of your, it's like, you know, on the cartoons, they have the, the bubble up there. I can see bubbles. And here's what they're saying. I don't have the emotional energy to do that. I just can't do what that says up there. And you would be absolutely right. You don't. And this is a very one of those teaching moments where I can uh, say something that I think is really, really important. You don't have that. I don't have that. There are many times where I realize I look in the tank and it's just, there's nothing in the tank. The wonderful thing, here's the deal with the Christian life, is that it doesn't all depend on you trying harder. Now, making effort is important. I don't want to diminish that too much, but it's not the main source of the good news. It's not about you trying harder. It's about realizing how much love God has what are the boundaries of God's love? How, when does God ever get that way, like you and I do? When does he ever run out of love? What, what, come on, how, when, does he, when does he do that? Ever? I mean, is it, is, it, is it finite? Is it in quarts and bottles and gallons? And Can we box it up? Or is it, you know, we say it's like an ocean, but an ocean is finite, you know? So anyway, when you can tap into that in the inner life, 
you can expand, God can expand, I should say, your heart and your capacity to receive his love so that your tank is full to give love to somebody else. That's the issue here. And so the appropriate prayer, so here's the deal, that's why I want to get this thing here. When you're clear-minded, alert, sober in your mind, you will pray, God, fill me with your love. Fill me with yourself. Because I don't have it. I'm, I'm dry. I'm out. A very, very biblical prayer. Make sense? Yeah, it's, it's, it's critical to hospitality. Now, the other alternative, I'm going to smile when I say this, is you can grumble. And what are some other words for grumble? Complain. Whine. Okay, we're living in the same world. Murmur. I just want to make sure. And we've all done it. And we say to ourselves, because we get so used to it, that, it, well, we're just being human. And the biblical response to that is, no, you're not. That's not what being human is. You're being something less than human. And I'm saying this to myself, too. And um, those that work with me know that I can complain. And those that, you know, my wife, we can, okay, I can complain. I'm, I'm totally capable of all of this stuff. But it's when you look at it, when you boil it down, what you're doing is your, your, your self-orientation has led you to certain expectations, and those are not coming true, and so you complain. It's, it's just part of, it's part of life, and we, ha- we have to figure out a way to, to, to deal with it and not go there. Um, part of it is you realize when you look at this definition of, of Hospitality, that's what that word means. You think, boy, it's really costly. Yeah, it is. Let's, let's just not make that, uh, let's make that really clear, come out and just put it on the table. Hospitality is costly. You will spend time and you will spend energy and emotional energy and you will spend money when you're being hospitable. And not only that, you'll feel like you're spending yourself. You're just spending yourself. And then you get this feeling inside that I don't have anything left to give. And, and so you grumble. Rather than pray, you grumble. Now God, in the Bible, he seems to be okay when we complain to him. The Psalms are full of complaints. So there you go. There's, there's, your, uh, there's your safety valve. How's that? Complain to God. He's, he's big enough. He can take it. But don't do the socially transmitted disease thing, which is complaining to others about people, usually, who are probably not in the room. And here's the question when we do complain, and we just need to ask this question, and I think there's probably a place in this world for complaining. So, um, I mean, it's hard to, but you don't want to be that person that's always doing it. But here's the question. Is the problem, the essential problem, the, the, the fundamental issue, is it out there, the thing that you're complaining about, or is it in you? Is it something in you that just needs to be adjusted, filled with God, filled with his love, increasing your capacity, allowing him to enlarge your heart? Let me give you five, so now we're going to get a little bit more practical here, but five reasons to be hospitable. So these are be reasons to, instead of complaining, be hospitable. And the first one is it reflects the the, the hospitable heart of God. Hospitable heart of God. We're going to come back to that one at the end. Um, Secondly, it creates a hunger for God's love in other people. 
It creates a curiosity. I wonder what the unnatural source of this expression of love is. I mean, this is not normal for somebody to be showing this kind of love. And we have, I've I've forgotten all of the people who have lived with us over the years, and in recent years we haven't done it as much. But we did have um, this uh, young woman from Germany who came to our house with her four-letter words that she knew. And we, we heard all of those, and we just sort of loved her, and there she was, and she watched us live our lives, and guess what she saw? It wasn't perfect, folks. We just sort of did life. We went to places like this on Sundays. We prayed. We loved each other. And we did it all very imperfectly. And somehow the Holy Spirit used that to get her curious about what this was all about. And then she became, uh, uh, she became baptized. And... Um, then she became, I, did, I was able to baptize her, actually did her wedding, and uh, it's an amazing thing. You know, she has two little boys, and they're, you know, they're probably bugging other people, just like our boys bugged her in our, in our perfect, imperfect home. But it's an amazing thing what happens when you're hospitable. It creates hunger for God's love. It helps you deal with loneliness, selfishness, and materialism. Uh, those are things that we all struggle with at some point in our lives, and you know it's it, these are these are really things. And if you if you are hospitable, I can guarantee you you will become less of all those things. You will become less lonely. You will become less selfish. You will become less materialistic. It works that way. It models good stuff to your children to be hospitable, to have people into your home, to be. Um, it's not just a practice, it's an attitude of hospitality. We had, um, uh, uh, this is another story, but we had a homeless couple living with us when we were in Alaska. And we haven't had a lot of homeless people, we've had a few. But these were homeless people, and it was a husband and wife, and they had all kinds of issues, and he was in a wheelchair. And Anyway, it was, they were only with us for a week or so. But during that week, we had a, a, a gathering of, of, of uh, um, people over from from our church there and um, this is before we had a building and we were always having people into our home and our the neighbor decided he had had enough and so these homeless couples there and this is after we had a gathering that day and he came over that night and he i it's one of those things that i'll never forget he was so angry and he had been this had been building up and he he just went into this his i got four lettered a lot on that one and my kids are inside, and they're hearing all this stuff. They're hearing their dad being called these names. That's, you know, and I'm, and I'm actually thinking in the moment, thinking, my kids are finding out what it means to follow Christ, you know. And he had, I mean, I'm not saying we were, you know, people were maybe parking in the wrong place or whatever. And he had, a, he had some valid stuff he needed to say, but... Um, you know the number one reason your the number one reason your kids will follow Christ is because you trust God. That's that is the research shows that folks. It's because you trust God as a parent that your kids will follow Christ. They need to see you in the moment trusting God. And when you're hospitable, you get into these situations where you can only trust God. All right, let's see, the last one. God commands you. How about that one? Just, you know, I could have just put that one up there. God commands it. 
All these things, we, all these passages we've been looking at these last three weeks, they're all in the imperative or the command voice. Be hospitable. It's not like we have an option. It's be hospitable. So um, hopefully that, that helps uh, give you some positive reasons why you, would, why you would want to be. You'll become more human. All right, hospitality. Let's go there and we'll close. So it's, I know it's hard. This is, this is one of those things, especially in our age, to hear. But the scripture is very, very clear that God has enemies. That God hates certain things. Now, you, you can challenge me whether... The, I mean, you know, we live in an age where the great sin, I think, is that we think we're more loving than God. When the scriptures clearly say that God has enemies and there are certain things that God hates. Now, he doesn't hate people. He hates the things that destroy people. And then even harder for us, and this is bedrock theology, is that we are or were enemies of God. Romans 5 makes this abundantly clear. There's other places I could quote. Romans 5.10, we were enemies of God, but we have been reconciled through the death of his son. Okay? Now, here's the, here's the thing. I want, to get, I want to shock you a little bit, but I want the shock to be in the right place, not the wrong place. Some of you, just because of the, the, the age we live in, the idea that, that, we would, that, that God would have enemies just comes across as shocking to us. But here's the shocking thing. This is what the scriptures want you to be shocked by. That God has so much love that he loves his enemies. Let that shock you. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. That God has this infinite amount of love that he would be so hospitable that he would spend himself on us. That, when you get that, when you're shocked by that, you have a, just a little glimpse of God's grace. Now, let's just, the picture of that in the scriptures, there you go right there, the picture of that in the scriptures is Jesus Christ you know, receiving the nails into his hands and his feet. Now, does he have enemies? I mean, if you had somebody pounding nails into your hands and your feet, don't you think you've got enemies? But he didn't grumble and say, Father, look at what these enemies have done to me. Instead, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The love of God covers a multitude of sins. And then Jesus, I'm just going to close with this reminder, that when Jesus, Matthew 25, so this would have been the days before the crucifixion, Jesus is teaching, and he says that if you give hospitality to the stranger, you're giving it to me. And you will become more human, and so will they. Lord, um, I pray that I've been faithful to your word this morning and said the things that are clear and most important. Lord, we need you. Um, Truth be told, we really need you. We need you in us, your life flowing through our veins, informing our spirit. If we're going to be more loving, Lord, we're going to need more of you more hospitality in our hearts. We are so limited, it seems, in our capacity. We seem so stretched already. 
So the prayer of our hearts is, Lord, come and fill us. Fill us with your hospitable, loving heart. That we might love the way you do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.